Welcome back with Radio Veritas. It is uh, 25 minutes to 5, uh, 4.35. And uh, thank you for your company and for being with us. We've been speaking about the trials sometimes of teaching catechism, of being a catechism teacher. But yet there's so many generous people in all the dioceses, you know, all over who are listening to this program, who many of them will be volunteering to share their faith with young people and with adults in this coming year. And I want to encourage them because, yes, it can be hard. I've been speaking about Mrs. Shabalara and our great friend Sietzi, who broke her heart for many years, but now here he is, so committed to the church because he remembers what Shabalara taught so many years ago. Now, every catechism teacher and teacher, I'm sure, in schools have stories regarding, you know, their experience of teaching, especially of teaching catechism, because there's often criticism. There's a lot of trials in teaching catechism, you know. Uh, What makes it difficult, too, are parents are not interested, and there's no sign of faith or prayer or religion in the home. That makes it very difficult because children see it as some sort of a, you know, extrovert or sort of extrinsic experience to be dealing with religion when it doesn't touch their lives and they're not seeing it lived at home. So parents not interested, that's one of the difficulties you have. Of course, you're dealing with distracted children who prefer uh, looking at their cell phones and, you know, getting involved in all sorts of social media and games and so many other alternatives that they have today, TV programs and so on. Again, sometimes priests do not adequately support You know, the situation like First Communion is in the end of October and uh, SIPO has not come to class most of the year. And so they hear that there is First Communion at the end of October and his father and mother are down insisting that SIPO must receive Holy Communion even though he hasn't attended any classes. And sometimes priests are persuaded to allow SIPO instead of postponing him, tell him wait until he properly attends and understands what he is doing. Again, uh, also, catechists find that often it is they themselves, in order to train for this task by attending seminars, calling meetings, going to workshops, retreats, that they have to use their own money. They should be supported, really, by the parishes. And uh, there's some people will say that children are different today. Well, I say, look, there is a lot of criticism. You know, you are exposing yourself when you are a catechism teacher. But I do say have courage. You know, these days we are reading in the church from the Gospel of St. Math- uh, Mark, St. Mark's Gospel, chapters 1, 2, and we're starting 3 just now. As you know, there the Catholic Church, we have readings for every day of the year. That's why I do hope you have a Catholic catechism catechism at home. You can get them from the Comboni Fathers, from the PMS, and there you will find for every day of the week a first reading, a psalm, and a a gospel reading. Now, if you have been doing that over the last couple of uh, weeks, you will find we're reading from St. Mark's Gospel, chapter uh, 2 and 3, and you'll see how difficult from the very beginning, and when we're talking about chapter 1 and 2 of St. Mark's Gospel, from the very beginning, how, you know, 
Jesus was criticized for everything he does. You know, in chapter 2, verse 7, uh, we saw Jesus, you know, being criticized by the religious authorities because he forgave the sins of the paralytic in Capernaum. And then a few verses later, chapter 2 again, we find Jesus being criticized by the religious authorities because he was eating with sinners, they said. Then just a few, two verses later, they are complaining that uh, his disciples do not fast. Again, just a few verses after that, they are criticizing Jesus because his disciples are picking corn on the Sabbath day. And again, this morning, was it? Or yesterday, we read about uh, they criticized very angrily because he healed a poor man on the Sabbath day. And so it concludes by saying they made plans to get rid of him. They made plans to get rid of Jesus. And so, um, you know, criticism will always be there and it is sharing the burden of Jesus that you are doing when you have to put up with that. But now, why should you teach uh, catechism? You know, what is the motive maybe that should be there to to inspire you and motivate you? Um, Well, I would say, first of all, we want to share what we love with other people. You know, like I remember meeting a lady, uh, she had a four-year-old son called Sipo, and I unfortunately for myself asked her how was Sipo, and for the next hour and a half she described every moment of Sipo's life. Uh, It's like people showing you photographs they took on their holidays that uh, really kill you. So, but why was the woman doing that? Because she loved Sipo. Her life centered around this great character, Sipo, age four. And so we're all like that. People who love sport want to speak about chiefs or Mamelodi sundowns or even pirates, imagine. People want to speak about uh, these uh, these things because they, they mean a lot to them. They love them. Now, if God means everything to us, if, if Jesus, if we love him, if the Holy Spirit is the inspiration of our life, like for the Catholic Women's Association, then we want to share that. We want other people to experience what we regard as beautiful and good and lovely. So uh, being a teacher then begins with loving Jesus. That's the very first thing. Again, uh, um, I would say to help you and to get into the mood of volunteering this year and of continuing to teach would be that reflect on what God means to you. Just think a little bit what God means to you. And I know so many of you, God and Jesus means so much to you and you want to share that. Um, Another point, why do you teach catechism? Well, you know, the life of Jesus, the grace of Jesus, the example of Jesus, the presence of Jesus will enrich children. It will enrich children. You know, unfortunately today, children on the media of all kinds, newspapers and social media, are reading all kinds of disastrous stories. They're getting terrible bad example from maybe political leaders, sometimes religious leaders, certainly of celebrities of every kind. Every day we're dealing with disasters uh, in the newspapers and in the media. So uh, we need to offer children something that will enrich them, that will make them, you know, have hope. Uh, Again, 
it's a joy to, uh, you'll find a great peace and a great joy because the Lord will be there when you are sharing your faith with others. Believe that the Lord, you are not alone, the Lord is with you. I remember uh, how I first heard the story of Jesus insofar as I can remember now. I was about four years of age. And uh, the practice was in our home at home that, you know, in the evening, say, half seven, eight o'clock, my mother would wash us children. And then my father would carry us one by one as we emerged from the bath upstairs and he would sit beside the bed and he would have us say our prayers individually. And I remember each day, here I was praying the creed, I believe in God. And then I said to my father, what's this word crucified? Crucified. What is this crucified? And I remember my father telling me then about this good man, Jesus, how bad people hated him because he was so good. So I remember the joy of my father sharing that insofar as the first time I could remember that. And then I would say another reason to um, share your faith is that young people and youth, and they have said that explicitly, they need the witness of faith. You know, they need the witness of faith. You know, um, um, you know when I go to jail now, you speak to so many fellows there, poor fellows who have got into crime and so on. Again and again, the same story. No one told us this. No one was interested in us. No one shared what is good, what is bad with us. And so for these reasons, and I I would just end by what the Holy Father says. By the way, if you want to buy a book this year that will be of great assistance to you in your catechism, it is the book called The Joy of the Gospel. I would say that you can get it from, I hope your parish priest will be able to help you, or you can get it at the Pauline Sisters here in Kensington, The Joy of the Gospel. It's by Pope Francis himself, so it's easy. The book by Pope Francis, The Joy of the Gospel. Do get that book. And I'm just reading here, um, you know, about what the Pope says. He's talking about that. If we love Jesus, we want to share him. He says, look, standing before Jesus with open hearts, letting him look at us, we see that gaze of love which Nathaniel glimpsed on the day when Jesus said to him, I saw you under the fig tree. John chapter 1, verse 48. I saw you under the fig tree, Nathaniel. How good, the Pope says, how good it is to stand before a crucifix or on our knees before the Blessed Sacrament and simply to be in his presence. How much good it does us when he once more touches our lives and impels us impels us to share his new life. So that's the Pope himself inviting us. And so, as I say, uh, I will be there to mandate, commission the Catechism teachers from the Northwest at Hebron St. Joachim and Anne this Sunday at Mass at 9 o'clock. Let us listen now to our next piece of music, which is Lord, You Have Come to the Lake Shore. Again, something that uh, uh, invites us to go out there. The, the words go like this. Lord, you have come to the lakeside, seeking neither wealthy nor wise men. You only ask, Lord, that I should love you. With love you have looked in my eyes, Lord. Smiling gently, you called my name, and I left my boat by the lakeside. Now with you, I will seek other shores. Let's listen now. 
Radio Veritas. Um, so the Lord, you have come to the lake shore. Uh, now let me speak about something inspirational. We have many, many uh, excellent Catholics from Nigeria here in Southern Africa. Um, and uh, I want to speak a little bit about a, a feast day of uh, Blessed Michael Tansy, a Nigerian priest who in 1998 was beatified in Onocha uh, uh, by St. Pope John Paul II uh, during his visit to Nigeria there before hundreds of thousands of Catholics. Who was Blessed Michael Tanzi? Well, he was born in 1903 in the Aguleri area in southern Nigeria. He spoke the Ibu language. Uh, his parents belonged to traditional uh, religion, uh, but for education he came to a Catholic school started by the Holy Spirit Fathers. And after a number of years, he was deeply touched by uh, the story of Jesus, by the gospel, and he asked to be uh, baptized. Uh, he was about nine years of age, and or 12 perhaps at that time. Uh, then he studied. He was a very diligent student. Uh, he got his school-leaving certificate and went on to qualify as a teacher. However, during these years teaching, he felt more and more the desire to become a priest. Of course, this was very much against the wishes of his family, but he entered the, uh, the, 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 the seminary, and in 1937, at the age of 34, he was ordained a priest and began his pastoral work in Newey. Um, he worked in many parishes there, a man of tremendous zeal, a man of tremendous uh, prayer. He had a huge impact on his parishioners and fought against immoral customs and sometimes the fears that people had. And particularly, there was a forest that they felt had been cursed and he went there and drove out any evil that was there. He tried to work against premarital cohabitation and so set up marriage preparation centres where girls and young women could be sheltered and receive Christian formation. Above all, he was very concerned with the moral education of young people. For this, with remarkable success, he brought in the Legion of Mary to many parts of Nigeria. He went on foot or bicycle from village to village preaching, catechizing, setting up prayer centres, which eventually became now famous parishes in Nigeria. He spent hours and hours hearing confessions, even until late at night. His zeal, shining example and life of prayer and penance transformed the people into a true Christian community. And this resulted in many, many vocations to the priesthood and sisters in the religious life. His parishes always held the record. So he was moved from parish to parish, transforming the whole area with the holiness of his life. He was a man of holiness, asceticism, of great charity. He paid the school fees of needy children and uh, made sure that they had a diet and that they were neat and clean. 
Uh, he would put on retreats and special days of prayer. Uh, above all, he was very dedicated to prayer himself, to the office, uh, mental prayer, to mass and thanksgiving. Those who lived with him said he was a man of great holiness of life. You know, uh, you know, he did not do things by half measures. Uh, he's, he had holiness of life with great humility, obedience and prayer and, and pray and prayer. The priest who lived with him among those uh, who became priests under his influence um, is the man who is now in the Vatican, Cardinal Francis Arinze, uh, who was the president of the Pontifical Council for Interreligious Dialogue. Dialogue. And Cardinal Arinze remembers uh, the priest who uh, attached him to the church. He says, Father Tansy loved the church. He never criticized the Pope or the bishop. He ran the parish in such a model way that the bishop used to say to his priests, go and spend time with Father Tansy and see the wonders that he is doing. Uh, again, he emphasized the importance of the family and having morning and evening prayers and encouraging people to come to daily mass. Uh, he was therefore a man who set up training centers where girls who were to get married were taught Christian doctrine, Catholic doctrine, homekeeping, Christian family traditions, sewing, knitting and so on. And he above all insisted on the men respecting their wives and to treat them with equality. Now, during these years after 1950, uh, something that had been with him for a long time, Michael Tan, Blessed Michael Tansy of Nigeria, diocesan priest, uh, continually felt uh, the need for a more prayer. He wanted to dedicate his whole life to prayer, that is, to contemplation. And one day when the bishop was talking to the priest, he said, I wish I had a priest who would become a Cistercian, that is a priest dedicated to a contemplative life, not a life in a parish, but a life in a monastery, in a convent, dedicated to prayer, prayer, driving out evil spirits, healing people, uh, uh, sitting at the feet of Jesus, meditating upon the word, sharing in the Eucharist and being available for all who come to them for counselling. And so hearing this invitation of the uh, bishop, uh, Father Tansy felt, this is what I have felt for a long time. He went with his pil uh, parishioners on a pilgrimage to Rome in 1950 and then left to join um, a Cistercian Trappist monastery in England in Leicester. Um, then he was finally, in 1956, he was finally professed there. And for the next seven years, he lived a hidden life of prayer and work, humility and obedience, following the Cistercian rule of life, prayer and work. And after 13 years of experience as a Trappist, he was now waiting to start a monastery in Nigeria. However, his superior said, no, we would prefer to go to Cameroon because there is war in Nigeria. This was a terrible blow to Father Tansy. Uh, but he stayed in England in the monastery. A few years later, because of an aneurysm, he got very ill and died suddenly in January 1964. Um, uh, he's, he was buried in England, but when, when he was about to be beatified, his body was taken up and brought back to Nigeria and buried at Onisha, uh, where he had been ordained 51 years before. 
And after he was beatified by Pope St. John Paul II, his remains were buried in the parish church of his native village, Aguleri. Before a congregation of two million people, the Pope, uh, on the 22nd of March 1998, beatified Michael uh, Cyprian Tansy. So here's an inspiration man whose feast day is one of these days in January. Let him inspire us. Let us listen now to the next piece of music. Um, Father Tansy, like the Cistercians, had a wonderful love for Mary and let us sing to Guaque Guati O Maria. <laughs> 